0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: We're talking to Sean Watson, the Browns, and underdog ADP on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin, one of the owners at RotoViz. Curtis and I apologize that we did not get out a Friday episode last week. A lot of things have been coming up this summer, um, preventing us from getting out three episodes all of the time. Once we're in season, though, uh, we will definitely be back to that rhythm. I am going to be doing this episode alone. Curtis is actually away all week. I'm going to try to get a couple of guests in here perhaps. Uh but for this episode, it will just be me talking about the impact of Deshaun Watson on the 2022 fantasy football season. We'll just talk about how the Browns overall team projection is likely impacted here and what it might mean for particular players. So, without further ado, let's talk about the browns 2022 projection now one of the first things that you have to do given this maneuver is think about how overall play volume for cleveland is going to change and i think that one of the most common changes of people doing projections would be that you're actually going to see a situation where rushing volume increases. And that is because the team should now be in more game script positive situations where it's able to, to continue running and not playing from behind and need to pass so much for me, my overall play volume for the team increases. You still have a 49 51 pass split, but it brings up the rushing attempts and now puts the team at a pace. That's much closer to league average, actually three plays over with a 49-51 split. So from a team stats perspective, from uh, for rushing attempts now, this puts Cleveland as one of the more run heavy teams in my projections. You do have teams like Baltimore, Tennessee, Indianapolis ahead of them, but that's a pretty significant number of rushing attempts. Uh, In terms of passing volume, you still have uh, Cleveland towards the bottom of the league in passing attempts. Even with Deshaun Watson there, I think it makes sense that you're going to see this team rely on one of its strengths and those two solid, solid backs that they have there. From there, um, I'm going to... probably try to refine it a little bit more but for the purposes of this episode we're going to say that watson handles 66 percent of passing attempts and jacoby Brissett would take the other 34 percent now we have seen deshaun watson put up significant rushing shares in prior seasons uh If you look back as recently as 2020, he was around a 26% rushing share, has been in the 20s the other seasons. Now, of course, he's going to miss six games, so you're not going to have him quite as high. Uh, I think if we take a bit of a conservative approach here, knowing that you have Hunt and Chubb there, you could still get Deshaun Watson to around 13%. Just to quickly work out the numbers for you here, let's say that you said without the suspension, you were going to see him maybe get a 20% share, right? That would mean that he was going to get approximately a 1.17 share each game. If we then just multiply that out, by 11, you get to around 13%. Uh, if you're curious how I came up with that figure, straightforward there. So you're looking at a situation now, he gets 13% of the rushing work, gives him around 70 rushes. Um, you know, I don't have anything crazy for rushing touchdown or yards per carry volume. I think we probably see him putting up around four and a half yards per carry, three rushing touchdowns. And in the end, if you look at his projection, you're not going to be overly enthused because it only gets him to around quarterback 29, but that's quarterback 29 across 11 games. I think that when you look at the games where he's putting up the points that he's going to, you're going to see some pretty big games in there. And Watson looks to me like a guy that slates into the spots with or slates into quarterback rankings with guys like Brady and Prescott. I don't think I'd put him in into that Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Hurts, Herbert Mahomes type of range Uh, or even with Joe Burrow. I think he sits a little bit behind, but the implications in... Two quarterback leagues are pretty big because Watson, outside of those guys that we already have solidly in that elite core, probably has as much upside as anybody uh, and has the true ability to distance himself from other quarterbacks in a meaningful way. So I think that he has a tremendous impact on two quarterback leagues and I'd be more inclined to try to reach a little bit early on him or prioritize him more in a two quarterback league than I would in a one quarterback league. That said, if the price feels right in the context of your draft, I think it's okay to go for him uh, because there's just a number of quarterbacks this year that you could use to backfill, um, The games when he's not available. I think, uh, you know, you're going to see guys like Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr in some home leagues being undervalued. So for your home leagues, Watson becomes a really interesting play. But we probably now should look at Amari Cooper because he, in my opinion, is the player that benefits the most from this. Well, that's probably a popular opinion. But the reason is is that he's the player on this team that I have slated for the highest target share at 24%. He's now going to see a major increase in quality. When you consider how many targets that actually translates into the rest of the wide receivers, it's really hard to know right now how that target share gets divided. I have it fairly flat, fairly even across David and Joku, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Anthony Schwartz, and the rookie David Bell. And you can't forget the fact that Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb could control somewhere around 18% of targets. So for those reasons, Cooper really is the clear beneficiary um, receiving the most benefit in terms of quality targets as a result of this. So his catch percentage should rise, could go up to around 67, 68 from what might have been 63 or 64 in a projection, give a little bit of a boost of yards per reception, but you can now put Cooper's receiving touchdown percentage um, at a rate that's probably going to get him up to around seven receiving touchdowns per game. This gives us a line for Cooper that puts him now around 130 targets probably somewhere between 80 to 90 receptions should go over a thousand yards, will probably settle in between 1,000 to 1,100 receiving yards and could have somewhere around 7 receiving touchdowns. This now puts him into the wide receiver two rankings when you're working through a projection somewhere around wide receiver 24, But given those games that he's going to have with Watson, it's definitely fair to view him as a player that you could think about on some teams as your wide receiver, 16 wide receiver, 17 overall. Uh, If you're on a team that's strong at wide receiver to start off with and you could weather. Um, a player not necessarily realizing where you drafted them or having some bumps along the way, I think that's the spot where it could start to make sense to think about Cooper. But this is a pretty, pretty substantial, um, you know, outcome for Amari Cooper, and definitely keeps him very relevant in terms of the twenty twenty two fantasy football season. Now, if you're looking at the other wide receivers we don't see a very tremendous impact of or or outcome as a result of Watson being available now for 11 games. And that is because none of these receivers are expected to have enough of a target share that the bump in quality um, amounts to that many fantasy points in comparison to other players. So they're all in my projections right now, still after Wide receiver seventy, but the difference is, is that if you are drafting wide receivers towards the end of a draft, I think now all of these these three wide receivers—People's Jones, Schwartz, David Bell—we'll see how training camp goes. Maybe another wide receiver or, or two on the roster become much more intriguing because now their upside has definitely taken a step in the right direction. And if one of these guys were to emerge as a wide receiver too that got to a 15, 16% target share, you could be looking at a guy that's a fairly interesting player to have on your team, not going to win you any leagues, uh, but definitely could be a contributor. So just to give a sense of what that could look like, if we put Donovan Peoples-Jones from 13% to 17%, we're looking at a player now that gets about 725 yard uh, receiving yards, 60 receptions, four touchdowns and now makes the move from a player that's in the seventies to a player that projects in the low fifties, um, which would then have us have a very different situation prior to this week, I was getting Donovan people's Jones with my last pick or two and a lot of best ball drafts and thought that was pretty interesting. We're going to look at some underdog ADP later. Obviously, with this news just coming out Monday, we'll have to see how it impacts his ADP. And when we get Curtis back and we talk a little bit more about the Browns, we can think about where is the cutoff of where he no longer becomes an attractive option. Now, the player that we'll close with here is David Njoku. Now, I have seen Njoku... At points in the summer, going as maybe the tight end 9 to the tight end 14 in best ball drafts. And even with this newfound availability of Deshaun Watson, I'm not seeing him as a tight end that really creeps into that territory where you start thinking about them as a tight end 1. I think it's hard to envision a scenario where Njoku gets enough targets that he's able to become a relevant tight end based on volume. I think that you're probably not going to be able to see enough touchdowns from him that it gets him into uh, the conversation about a tight end that's going to be different than many of the other tight ends that you see going uh, maybe tight end 14 to tight end 18 so my projection for him only has him around 500 yards, four receiving touchdowns, 44 receptions. That assumes a 12% target share with Watson. Is there some upside? Definitely. But I don't think that if we do not see his ADP a scale back, which is not going to do, um, absent of that, then I don't think he he come becomes the type of tight end that we can really be thinking about drafting. We'll get Curtis's opinion on that as well. Maybe he see, sees things they're shaking out differently. But that's my quick take on the ramifications of Deshaun Watson participating now in the 2022 season.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Let's take a pop, uh, let's pop over, let's take a pop, who am I? Uh, Let's pop over right now to the underdog FFPC, oh my god, I'm struggling here by myself. Let's pop over to the underdog ADP tool, uh, not the FFPC exposures in ADP tool. And let's just look at some of the biggest moves that we've seen as of late, I'm just going to read through these and I'll talk about my thoughts on one or two of these moves. We are going to start with quarterback. Now, prior to the news becoming official, we saw a very big increase, um, in terms of draft capital being spent on Deshaun Watson, July 11th, he was going after 200 overall has crept up already nearly 40 spots. Um, and is cracking the 170 ceiling in some leagues, coming in around around like 165 makes sense. To me, how high does that creep? I think it I'm thinking we probably see him end up going around quarterback nine, quarterback ten. Well, I guess it depends on the format. Perhaps on in in best ball, especially in large field tournaments, we might not see him get that high. Uh, but other quarterbacks rising, you have Trey Lance going up three spots, Lamar Jackson 2.2, Mac Jones up a spot, Marcus Mariota 0. 0.4. I don't think any there's anything too major to talk about there. One of the more interesting things that I have seen is that Baker Mayfield was at 192 on July 11th, has fallen eight spots now to around 200 for August 1st, which is really interesting because... To me, the Carolina spot for him is a lot more intriguing than he would have been in Cleveland, given everything that was going on there. Uh, Perhaps people are worried about the fact that there could be more quarterback competition. Um, I do expect, though, that we see Mayfield be the starter, that we see Mayfield, Mayfield be the starter throughout the season maybe have a decent game or two, but I don't see Carolina turning away from him too quickly. Uh, So that massive, well, it's not a massive ADP fall, but this fall of eight spots in light of him getting into a situation that should be beneficial for him was was pretty surprising. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, we still continue to see fall, went from 184 down to around 190. I've talked about how... I've been able to get him in a lot of best ball drafts right at the end of the draft, and I think that that makes him a pretty good value. Uh, He's one of those quarterbacks when you find yourself in trouble that you can easily get onto your team and maybe help prop up your situation uh, a bit. So that's quarterbacks. I want to take a look at wide receivers. I think everybody knows the player that has had the most dramatic rise. On July 25th, Julio Jones was somewhere around 190, has gone up 50 spots. In some cases, he's going around 135. Um, So you're seeing him somewhere between the 10th to the 11th round. I was in a draft today, saw him go in the 7th. I think the 10th or 11th round is the point where I couldn't see him go too much higher and really seriously consider taking him. We've talked about, you can look at some of the numbers from prior years, compare them to different spots in his career and tell the story, but he hasn't really fallen off. But I think he's now in a different context. I think that the point accumulation is going to be pretty stochastic. Um, So uh, I feel like we've reached the point where you cannot have Jones rise up too much more in ADP, and I'm assuming that he will. Another player that has taken a big jump, and some of this likely relates to training camp news, is Isaiah McKenzie, who's gone up 24.1 spots in ADP since early July. Now, I've got to be honest with you. McKenzie is a player that I actually have on a lot of best ball teams, many of these with Josh Allen. Now, we did see, and I was actually at the game last year, week 16 when they played New England, McKenzie put up about 29 fantasy points. A lot of this had to do with the way that the Patriots secondary was operating in that game. It made the perfect storm for McKenzie to be a guy that the Bills went after, targeted, and he had a great game. Cross, five years in his career, though, has only recorded one wide receiver, two performance, does have... That game that I mentioned and another 30 point wide receiver, one performance, but everything else has been, you know, zero to around three points more or less. So you're looking at a player entering his fifth year, maybe has a couple of great games, um, but I like McKenzie a lot better as the type of guy I'm getting at my, at the end of my draft than somebody that's trying to vie to be the wide receiver three, perhaps um, in Buffalo's offense. Jamison Crowder has gone the opposite direction. He's gone down from around 135 back to around 155 right now. Uh so the moral of the story here is I would consider getting more Crowder now and starting to limit the McKenzie exposure. How high up could McKenzie creep? I really don't want to be taking him if he's not the wide receiver six or wide receiver seven on my team. I just don't think it makes a ton of sense. Other wide receivers rising Jalen Tolbert. Um, and that could continue to rise. It looks like James Washington got banged up today. I'm not sure of the severity of the injury might continue to see that rise. Donovan people's Jones had gone up 13.3 spots from earlier July, uh, July 11th to August 1st. Um, I don't think, oh, okay, you might find this interesting. Russell Gage has fallen 18 spots in ADP. He's still the only at wide receiver 90. We're going to have to wait because that's definitely going to continue to fall. We'll wait before we talk about that uh, anymore. And then finally here, uh, we'll look at tight end and running back. At tight end, shouldn't it be much of a surprise. We see Cameron Brait falling 23 spots, uh, Kyle Rudolph going up 10. All right. We talked a lot about this after the move. So we won't hit that there. David Njoku is now at spot 160, around 163. That ADP is going to continue to rise. Even in July when he was at spot 175, I didn't love it. Um, so I think you get my thoughts there. There really hasn't been much other tight end movement of note other than Robert Tunyon, Falling 15 spots. Albert Akui Boonham dropping around nine. Logan Thomas, which makes sense, around six and a half. Then Noah Fant five. With the players that are not Thomas where there's injury concern, I think a lot of this has to just do with players at other positions moving up. If we go over to the ADP tab in this tool and just take a look at tight ends, uh, we're going to see that Tanyin, Um Let me just... Give me a second here. All right. I have just tight ends now. So Tunyon is going as the tight end 18, um, which I really don't hate at all, actually. Um, that's behind uh Akui Boonam, that's behind Gerald Everett. Um, so that's something to pay attention to. Um, I know Tunyon has been a bit of a disappointment um in light of some of those games that he put together when he first had that connection with Aaron Rodgers. If we look at his 2021 season, though, um, we we can get a little bit more of a sense of why it was a disappointment ranked 28th in PPR per game. Um in terms of of uh, tight end one performances managed to just put up two in eight games, but there are some compelling stories you could tell for Tanyin. Um It's not that I feel great about him. It's just that I think that uh, he falls into a similar range and a range of outcomes of some of the tight ends that go a couple of spots ahead of him. So, you know he's a player that if he continues to slip makes for a decent target in some leagues and uh we'll close off here looking at running backs now the player that has seen the biggest rise in ADP over the last 20 days is James Robinson he's now going around 155 had been at 170 prior um Robinson yeah it's pretty tricky with him um this puts him in a spot where he's going with guys let me find it here um sorry about that Yeah, so James Robinson at 156.5 is going directly after Tyrion, Price Davis, behind guys like Naheem Hines, behind players like Tyler Algier, Michael Carter. I think that he could return on this. You know, it has him very low uh, position rank of 50. That feels okay. He could creep up a little bit more. I'd continue to sprinkle him in on some teams, but I find it more interesting to see what has now happened with Rashad Penny moving up 13.7 spots, moving past 90 overtaking Ken Walker. who's now fallen back to around one Oh eight Curtis might disagree. I am not going to be surprised if both of these guys manage to disappoint the people that draft them. Um, We'll have to get Curtis's rebuttal to that, but I think that it's very likely that what happens is that we don't see enough games out of them when it is quote-unquote their game that they really smash that people feel satisfied uh, for some of the expectations that they could have in their mind. And I know one of the things that we could point to, and we've talked about this many times, if you pull up Rashad Penny, in the NFL stat explorer and you look at different ranges of games in particular weeks, 14 through 18 last year, you're going to see that he smashed had 26.8 points in week 14 down week in week 15 at 6.4, but then finished with 19 and a half against Chicago, 32.5 against Detroit and 18 against Arizona. I know that you can also find some other sections had a strong ending back in, I believe 2019 it was But I guess I'm just concerned that with the way those roles are going to be divided, the way that offense is going to function this year with Geno Smith or potentially Drew Locke, you just don't see an opportunity for consistent production that though you might be getting somewhat of a discount uh, because there's both of these guys back there, then you would have wanted them had that backfield clearly their own. I just don't think we're going to see something that keeps some of the or that justifies some of the excitement for these players. Chase Edmonds, we've talked about a lot. His ADP is rising, has gone up 13 spots. Definitely are going to want to make sure that if you're building those best ball portfolios, you start to get him in there now before it continues to rise. Because I do think that we could see him move up a couple more spots. Uh, And in terms of running back rankings, maybe jump another Three or four players. Ramondre Stevenson, no surprise, with positive training camp news breaking about him. He's gone up 13 spots. I've talked a lot about how I view the Patriots' backfield. I would not read too much into that training camp news. Um, Harris and Stevenson are players that I've been taking in drafts generally when I have my two quarterbacks on best ball teams. Maybe six or so, well, maybe like five of my wide receivers. And then already have one solid running back. Isaiah Spillers, ADP is rising. Players that are falling. Mark Ingram has now fallen 15 spots, was around 175 or so, now back around 195. Alvin Kamara's hearing got pushed back till September 29th. It's looking like a much more realistic possibility now that we see Ingram playing in 2022. So Ingram, isn't intriguing? Number two, if Kamara plays the whole season, we're probably going to get to see Ingram's ADP continue to fall back, which is definitely a conversation we're going to have to have. If Kamara is there, when is Ingram priced correctly? I think that we could be approaching... That correction, uh, because right now, even um, with that fifteen spot fallback, we see Mark Ingram going at one ninety two position rank of fifty nine among running backs. So to give you a little bit of an idea of the players that he's going around, you're going to have guys like Khalil Herbert, just a little bit behind him. Or excuse me excuse me, you're going to have Khalil Herbert ahead of him. You're going to have actually Khalil Herbert significantly ahead of him. You actually have Ingram going behind Brian Robinson, Raheem Mostert, JD McKissick, just in front of guys like McKinnon, Chris Evans, Dante Foreman, Zamir White. Uh, We've talked a lot about Ingram, so I won't rehash it, but if that continues to fall, which it may, then he, he becomes very, very interesting. So, That's the wrap-up on Cleveland. Amari Cooper, the biggest beneficiary. Unless we find out some radical information about another one of the wide receivers, really solidifying a number two spot in that offense, I'm not sure that any of those wide receivers of David Njoku have had a major change to their status. So when Curtis gets back, though, I 100% will follow up as he is our man in Cleveland on the road of his team. We'll hear what he has to say. I will be back later in this week. Thank you for stopping by. I appreciate you listening, and I will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Roto Viz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Dave Cabin and at C. NFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978 615 9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.